you may look at the title today and say, why we love the church. That looks really familiar from what those of us saw last week when we were here. If you remember, I told you that uh, we had to do this in two segments because last week we just talked about the founder of the church. And we love the church because we love the founder of the church, our Lord Jesus Christ. He's who we hear about. He's who we talk about. He is the one that this is all about to begin with. And so we had to spend the day just talking about Jesus. And uh, we can do that every Sunday. And we couldn't get a better topic than to talk about our Lord who came, loved us, died for us. And last week I started off something like this. Uh, how many of you here today really love North Florida Baptist Church? And I ask for a show of hands. And uh, we can see it all around the room. We love this place because this is where God planted our lives. Your life, uh, your members here, my, our lives right now, I'm telling you, my wife and I are enjoying being with you. We love you and we feel your love for us. That's how it is when you get together with God's people. That's the way it is. And that's the way it should be. And I thank you for that. And we love you and we want you to know that uh, for sure. And so today I want to go back and pick up this theme and just a brief recap, a little bit of last week, not much, and then go into two more uh, items about why we love God's church. You remember the passage is Matthew chapter 16 and uh, verses 13 through 18. Let me just read that for you real quickly and then we'll move on into the thought for today. It says, when Jesus came into the district of Caesarea Philippi, he was asking his disciples, who do people say that the Son of Man is? And they said, well, some say John the Baptist and others Elijah, but still others, Jeremiah, or one of the prophets. And he said to them, but who do you say that I am? And Simon Peter answered, you are the Christ, the Son of the living God. And Jesus said to him, blessed are you, Simon Barjona, son of Jonas, because flesh and blood did not reveal this to you, but my Father who is in heaven. He's the one that helps you to understand the truth of this matter. And I also say to you that you are Peter, and upon this rock I will build my church, and the gates of Hades will not overpower it. Cannot do that, that unseen world. that next, it, it cannot stop us. Hell cannot stop the church that is out there actively serving the living God because He is the one who has the power. And then just a brief recap. Last week we talked about the founder of the church. And that's what we dealt with. And uh, in Matthew 16, Simon said, You are the Christ, the Son of the living God. We've identified who you are. And uh, he said, I will build my church. I will build my church. Jesus is the founder of the church. Jesus is the founder of North Florida Baptist Church. Jesus was the founder of Fellowship Baptist Church, where I spent uh, 22 and a half years. Jesus was the founder of Parkview Baptist Church in Lake City, where I was pastor for seven years. Jesus was the founder of Clayland Baptist Church in Swanee County, where I was pastor for five years. Jesus was the founder of Calvary Baptist Church in Tylertown, Mississippi, where I pastored during uh, seminary years. Jesus was the founder of so many other churches that I've had the privilege to preach in through the years as a supply preacher, as an evangelist in various opportunities. Jesus, it's His church, it's not our church. It's His. And so we understand that and know that. It's not upon John the Baptist, good company to be with, not Elijah, not Jeremiah, not one of the other prophets. 
It is not upon Peter or his philosophy or anybody else's philosophy. It is founded upon the rock of our salvation that is the Lord Jesus Christ. And so we love the church because of Him and who He is and what He's done for us. And so we have settled that matter and we want to go on. And so today I want us to look at two other matters. One is, second one is this. We love the church because we love the fellowship of the church. The fellowship of the church. Fellowship, a good Greek word, koinonia, means to share which one has in anything, participation, social, sociable, contribution, something that you may be adding to it. A fellowship, a getting together with other people. Now in seminary, our professors had someone that worked along with them called fellows. We jokingly call them graders. For any of you who've been to seminary, you know what I'm talking about because those people help, help the professor with the grades and grading papers and stuff like that. I'd have been, uh, maybe could do that if it was a true-false test, but other than that, it might have been a little difficult. But these guys were called fellows. Why were they called fellows? They were called fellows because they were working on their graduate degrees, doctorate degrees, and they were working in the same field of study with the professor whom they, to whom they were attached. And so if you were going to be getting your doctorate in New Testament studies, for instance, and maybe you were going to teach in New Testament studies, and so you would attach to an a professor who is a New Testament professor, he would agree to bring you under his wing and you would study under his tutelage and work together with him. And the reason they called them fellows was because they had the same common interest. They had common interest where they, they love New Testament, they're going to work together in this, my life's going to be involved with that. And so there was a fellowship that was placed and centered around a common interest. That's why we love the church. We love the fellowship of the church. Not only the founder, but the fellowship. We get together here with people. We go into our Sunday school classes and we open the Word of God and we study together and we talk together. We pray together. We sing together these songs because of our Lord. And it's a common interest that we have. And so when we get together as a people of God, we're saying we're here because we have a common interest and a common goal. The common goal of our existence as a people of God is to see other people come to know the Lord Jesus that we know and to grow in the Lord so that we may know Him better and better and better and become more intimately acquainted with our Lord through prayer, through studying the Word of God, through getting together with the people of God and learning together and sharing together. And so that whenever the time comes that we can be ministers of Christ out in our world, we can just be ready, instant, in season, out of season, at any time, ready to share the good news with people who need to know. Bring them into the fold, minister to them, and then grow them so that we may minister get together with them anytime. The fellowship of the church. What is it? Our fellowship is centered in Christ. That's what it's all about. In 1 John chapter 1, verses 1 through 3, we read this. What was from the beginning, what we have heard, what we have seen with our eyes, what we have looked at and touched with our hands 
concerning the word of life. And the life was manifested, and we have seen and testify and proclaim to you the eternal life which was with the Father and was manifested to us. What we have seen and heard, we proclaim to you so that you may have what? Fellowship with us. And indeed, our fellowship is with the Father and with His Son, Jesus Christ. The fellowship of the church is centered in Christ. All of these things, these, these people who, who experienced Christ when He was here, and they touched Him. They said, our hands have touched Him. We've walked with Him. We have seen Him with our eyes. We have heard His voice speak with our ears. We've had fellowship with the Christ, the very Son of God. What an amazing thing that we have experienced here. You know what? You and I can have that same experience. We may not see Him with the naked eye, but we can see what He is doing and at work around us. Oftentimes we see what God is doing, what Christ is doing in someone else's life, and we see God at work. We see the power of Christ at work in a person's life. I can remember times when I have had uh, opportunity to share the gospel with people one-on-one and sit down with them. And when they see Christ and come to know who He is, and you see the change that comes about in their life, we once again see what God is doing. We see what Christ is doing in someone's life and what a blessing it was. I had a friend on the ship named Dale Baker. Dale had been around church and he knew a little bit about church and had another friend named Dale in another place at another time. And, and, uh, but this one was, was a sailor. And uh, this guy, you know, we were trying to minister to him and he'd say, yeah, I, you know, I remember these things. And, and he said, I went to church some growing up. And he said, I remember going down there and I'd see people sitting in church and singing big. And, but out there during the week, they didn't act the same. And so it turned him off. Boy, I hope none of us want to be that way. What we are here, we ought to be out there. Because God sees and knows. And we do want to praise Him all day long, every day, as Matt saying. That's what we want to do. And so let our Christian life show out there. We've talked about that a little bit. But he said, that's what I experienced. And so he was a little turned off by church. Didn't want to go. But we kept talking to him and talking to him. And he finally started coming to our Sunday night or our weeknight uh, meetings there in the ship's chapel. And, and I remember when it finally got through to Dale. And I remember seeing Dale just so happy and praising God along with everyone else. And I've seen what Christ can do. That's what we wanted. And our fellowship with Dale became strong. And that's the fellowship of the church centered in our Lord Jesus Christ who has made the difference for all of us. Thank you, Lord. Are you glad today that Christ has made the difference in your life? Boy, I'm glad. I'm glad. And we thank God for that. But our relation, our fellowship, secondly, is strengthened by love. Strengthened by love. You're familiar with Mark chapter 12. Uh, it's a great, great passage of Scripture. Mark chapter 12, beginning in verse uh, 28 and reading through verse 31. It says something like this. One of the scribes came and heard them arguing and, and recognizing that he had answered them well, asked him, what's the greatest commandment? Uh, what's the foremost of all of them? And we've talked about this before, but let's read it real quickly. And Jesus answered, the foremost is this, Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God is one Lord. And you shall love the Lord your God with all your heart 
and with all your soul and with all your mind and with all your strength. And the second is like this. You should love your neighbor as yourself. There is no other commandment greater than these. This is what it is all about. It's strengthened by love. When we love the founder of the church and we love the fellowship of the church, it means we love the people of the church. And so our love is going to him with all of our soul, our mind, our strength, everything. We've put it we put our focus on him when we come in this place and we get together with others who have that same focus and we say, praise God, this is a great place to be. Now, there may be those who come in sometimes who sit in our classes and are there with us who may not have the same kind of love for Jesus. Maybe someone has talked them into coming to church, invited them. They said, yeah, we'll go by and pick you up. I'll see you in church Sunday and And so they've come in and they don't know the Lord yet. They don't understand what we are doing here in this place. But when we love our neighbors, we love ourselves. And we say, boy, our fellowship is strengthened by this love. And and they begin to see something different about us. Our desire is that somewhere in that process they'll say, you know, I'd like to have that. I'd like to have some of that in in my life. You people take care of each other. You love each other. You're there for each other. When our son passed away, 412 in the morning, June, July 2nd, 2013. He passed away. My music minister said, I want you to call me. One of the young boys at church that was a friend of his said, I want you to call me. Doesn't matter, Pastor, whenever that time comes, and I know it's coming. You call me. I called them. There were people just flooded to the hospital. We got home that morning. People there. All the food we could eat forever. Just there to encourage us and pick us up and lift us up. And I'm, the, I'm, I'm looking at all this and I'm thinking, that's the fellowship of the church. That's people who love God and love each other. And Man, that's what it's about. We love the church because we love the fellowship of the church. It was during the time that Jesus was observing the Passover for the last time with his closest disciples that he gave them a great commandment. And by extension, because he gave it to them and said to share it with other people, by extension, he has given us this very same commandment. In John chapter 13, verse 34 and 35, he said this, a new commandment I give you that you love one another, even as I have loved you, that you also love one another. By this, all men will know that you are my disciples if you have love for one another. The fellowship of the church Fellowship of the church, centered in Christ, strengthened by the love that God has given us for him, that we love him, and then strengthened by the love that we have for each other to say, we're here, we're supporting each other, we're going to continue to support each other. You may know some people who are members of the church who haven't been in a while. Give them a call. Tell them, come on down. Yeah, we're looking for a new pastor. He's going to be coming someday, maybe sooner than later. 
going to be coming. God's timing is always good. People are working towards that. This is not a time to be out there. This is a time to be in here and supporting and sharing and, and loving each other and encouraging each other and looking forward to and getting ready for when that new pastor comes. and He's here and he's so much a part of us. When that man and his family comes, they're going to need the strong love of the church to surround them. Surround them powerfully. Why? I can tell you why. Been there, done that. Was a pastor for 38 years plus. Preached a lot before then. I can tell you, preachers have the same enemy that all of you have. We have the same enemy that tries to tear us down, that tries to tear you down. The same enemy that would love to break into our families and our homes and, and create the problems for us that he creates for everybody else. You see, we're all on level ground at the foot of the cross and Satan hates us. Maybe sometimes worse than he hates you because of what we do. But he hates us all. Dr. John Walford, late president of Dallas Theological Seminary from 1952 to 86, said to a group of his students one time, and I quote, if you are a person who is teaching biblical truth, the devil will put an X on your back. And he will. His method is typical. He'll start with your ministry. If he can't get to you there, he will go after your personal life, your moral integrity. Many times have we heard the stories of some preacher, pastor, music minister, youth minister, a leader in the church, deacon, whoever, has fallen into immorality. Satan knows his business. I remember in seminary we had a guy there uh, preaching a revival for us, and I didn't particularly think this was the greatest preacher in the world. Probably a lot of folks out there feel that about me. It's okay. Just do what God called you to do. But he said something that I hope I never forget, Brother Larry. And he told us this. He said, guys, and he was talking about immorality. And he said, guys, the day you think that it cannot happen to you is the day you are most vulnerable. I've tried to keep that in the back of my mind all through these years. Susan and I celebrate 46 years tomorrow. Congratulations, sweetheart. You did good putting up with this thing. 46 tomorrow. Nobody's getting in front of that. Not because I'm so powerful, but because God is. And we place our trust in him and we've said, Lord, you're going to be the focus of our family and that's the way it's going to be. We're going to keep it that way. But he said, don't you ever think. And so Walford said to these people, he'll go after your moral integrity. And then he said this, if he can't get you there, he'll go after your spouse. And if he can't get you there, he'll go after your children. Remember some years ago, I heard Bailey Smith preaching in Evangelist Bailey Smith and, and he was talking and he told this story and I've never forgotten it. He was on an airplane going somewhere. I don't remember exactly where he was going, but he was flying along and and you know you have those captive audiences. You're not going anywhere. Talking to a guy who was a Satan worshiper. He said, we're praying to Satan to break up 
pastor's families. Shared that with you before. I don't know if they're still doing that. I wouldn't doubt if they were. But he said, we know if we can get to the pastor's families, we can do more damage to the kingdom of God than probably any other way. God help us. I can add to that. Sometimes our adversary will go after the servants of God through well-intentioned church folk who might have misunderstood their role in church. We have to be careful about what we do and how our fellowship affects each other. If it's a fellowship of love centered in Christ and our focus is, Lord, is Jesus, then there's going to be times we're going to be disagreeing with each other over something. That's, that's just, that's life. And I know that's Baptist life because I are one. All right? So I understand that. We disagree sometimes. We're people. We have opinions. Opinions are like noses. We all have one and they all smell. That's, that's the way we are. We're people. But we don't have to disagree in a disagreeable manner. We can disagree in an agreeable manner. And say, you have your, I have this, we discuss this, we come to a decision and we move on. And we go forward because we love each other in the Lord. By this, all men will know that you are my disciples if you have love for one another. Love one another. You notice what Jesus said? As I have loved you. In the same way I've loved you, I gave myself up for you. I died on the cross for you. I put my life on the line for you. Are we, putting, are we willing to put our lives on the line for each other here? Are ministry leaders such as pastors always 100% perfect? No. Ask my wife Susan. She can tell you. We're not perfect. Are ministers' music always perfect? Don't say anything, Susan. Oh, okay. Are associate pastors ministers of youth? Are we always, always 100% perfect all the time? No, not at all. Not at all. They need to be considered in relation to the Word of God and brought to the Lord in loving prayer before they're brought to the trial of personal opinion or group opinion. Bring them to the Lord first. And talk to them about it. How many times? I got a letter one time. It just chewed me up one side and down the other for something I had said that they totally mistaken. Totally mistaken. But they just chewed me up. And I normally put those things aside and just kind of let it go and what it is. But this one was so bad, I thought I needed to bring it to the deacon body. And I felt like it needed an answer. And so I brought it to the deacons. I said, guys, I want you to pray with me about this. What should I do? Should I answer this? Should I just leave it alone? What should I do? And so we made a decision together, and we followed through with that decision. Sometimes we just need each other to be the people of God that we need to be. I really wish that person would have come, knocked on my door, and asked my ministry assistant, if they could have just a, a minute with me. I think we could have cleared a lot of stuff up. Fellowship of love. That's who we are. And that's who we're going to be as a people of God. It's good to be a part of God's church. 
We love the church because we love the founder, Jesus. And we love each other in fellowship. But there's a third thing, and we close with this. We love the church because we love the future of the church. The future of the church. I don't know about you, but, but I'm excited. Several years ago, we were talking about eternal life. And eternal life is what our future is. That's where we're going. And we praise God for that. Our pastor where I was, uh, where I grew up, Susan and I hadn't been married too long. We were there on a Wednesday evening for Bible study. And our pastor was teaching through a segment on heaven and what, what maybe to expect when we get to heaven. And we left there going home that night, driving in the car, and we're talking to each other. And we're saying, so what are we hanging around here for, man? The future is exciting for a child of God. Our son was in that wheelchair. He hated being in that wheelchair when he, when he was going through the process. And he was a student here at North Florida Christian School. And he would run and play with the other children. And, and the time came when he couldn't run and play anymore. And he started to fall. And he would get so frustrated. One night I was at visitation. Our church had met. Our group was meeting there. We were about to go out. My phone rang. Susan said, come home now. When Susan says, come home now, I come home now. I didn't know what was going on, but I knew the tone of the voice. Went to the house, and Nate was trying to crawl across the yard to get out in the street. He was so frustrated. But he said, I just want to crawl out there in front of a car. Couldn't walk. I just kept him from crawling. He was hitting me on the leg some. You know, he was trying to, what do you do? I just said, no, I'm not going to let you do that. After a little while, he crawled back out there and began to get late. Dew began to fall. Laid there for a little while, cried. Went over and I said, buddy, you ready to go in the house? Yeah. So I picked him up, brought him in the house. When he passed away, his neck had been crooked for some time. So pliable. Just straightened his head out on the pillow, kissed him on the forehead, said his victory's complete. And folks, there are no wheelchairs in heaven. The future is eternal life with our Lord. And that's glorious. It doesn't get any better than that. John 3, 16, you know it. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that whoever believes in him shall not perish, but have eternal life. Nate believed in Christ and now his victory is complete because he has eternal life. Eternal, perpetual, forever, never to cease, unending. If you want to translate the Greek, you'd have a hard time doing that because it literally means the forever of the forever of the forever of the forever and it goes on for infinity. It never stops. That's what this word eternal means. It just goes on and goes on and goes on. And we've talked about eternity past, and, and we know that we've not always existed in the past, but our Lord has. And that helps me to understand that the one who gives me eternal life uh, is the one who is in eternity past. And when I trusted Him to be my Savior, and He said, you have eternal life, I know that the eternity past is good today and it's always going to be good. So he says, when I give you eternal life, you're going to live forever and forever and forever and forever and you're going to be with me. Thank you, Lord. 
We love the future of the church. It's eternal life in the very presence of our Lord. Not only that, it's a glorious life. Glorious. And what's that going to be like? What is that going to be like? We have ideas. We have thoughts. I can promise you this. None of us really know. We don't really know. We've not been there and experienced that. We hear people talk about, you know, they've had this near-death experience and, and other kinds of things like that. But to say that we know exactly what it's all going to be, we don't know. I don't know. You don't know. But I do know that it's going to be glorious. 1 John chapter 3, beginning in verse 1, says, See how great a love the Father has bestowed on us, that we should be called the children of God, and such we are. For this reason the world does not know us, because it did not know Him. That's sad. Beloved, now we are children of God. That's glorious. And it has not appeared as yet what we will be. We know that when He appears, we will be like Him, because we will see Him just as He is. Will be like him. I don't know what that's all going to be like, but I know this it's going to be good. It's going to be glorious. I thank God for that. We love the church Jesus has founded because we love him. We love the fellowship with the people of God. We love our expectation in the future. And so, Today, I, I just want to close by asking this. Do you know this Jesus we've been talking about? Do you know him as your Savior? Have you, have, you, have you come to that understanding in your life where you know that he is Christ, the Son of the living God, the one who came and lived among us and then died for us, stretched out his arms and died, put his life out for us? So that he could take our sin and die with it. And then take his life back in resurrection power to say, I am who I said I am. I am the Son of God. I am the Christ. I am the Savior. And if you'll trust me, I'll take your sin away. I'll give you eternal life. You can now walk through life with me. Enjoy our relationship. Enjoy our fellowship with each other, and enjoy the fellowship of the people of God and look forward with great expectation day in and day out for what's coming in the future. Do you know Him? If you do, praise God. If you don't, why not now?